It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the Australian Golf Show with your host, Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry, taking you inside the ropes. Uh, now, Marco, we all know that you loved a party back in your heyday. Oh, but, uh, it seems like it's got you in trouble in, no, in, no. The, in the ripe old age, in your 50s. So you are, you're out partying last week on the back of the Melbourne Cup. And what, where's, it, uh, where's it led you to? No, I'll end up having to get a COVID test, but all clear. No worries. Nothing to worry about. You're not part uh, of that. So you, you didn't actually get there. COVID on the super spreader event? No, I didn't. And I'm not so sure it was a super spreader event, but... Uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't get it. I, I know that. Hey, right off the top, please. Um, yes. I know uh, Series 1 of uh, the Australian Golf Show podcast, uh, I might have said a few things uh, that I was a little concerned about where the Australian tour was going and about players. Um I'm not going to say I was dragged into the front office, but uh, I visited front office not long after. Um, and without telling me, and I won't say who it was, but without telling me what is down the track for Australian golf men's and women's, um, they basically gave me great confidence, a, a enormous confidence in what they have been working at behind the scenes. Mm. Golf Australia and the PGA, my goodness, they have um, – an opportunity in front of them if the cards fall their way. Now, it, it's starting to look like um, tours are starting to work together overseas in the Northern Hemisphere, and the spin-off is going to be pathways and big tournaments for us. Now, that is that is Fantastic. my hope. That, that, that could be, you know, the, the silver lining to this, uh, you know, where we've been the last couple of years, um, the last five or six years. But believe me... Um, if you're an Australian player practicing right now and you, mm. you want a, you want a uh, opportunity in the world of professional golf, keep practicing. Keep practicing hard because from what I've been told, I'm expecting pathways to open overseas. And that, that's, that's all. So exciting. That, that is all I'm going to say. Um, it, it mightn't happen next year, it mightn't happen the year after. But if you're a kid right now, 15, 16, 17, 23, Keep practicing. Yep. It's all I'm going to say. Keep practicing. Doors might open up for you. Well, one of the Australian greats who obviously practiced a fair bit, and he went all the way up to winning the US Open. Jeff Ogilvie has been cherry-picked this week, and he's taken it into his own oh, hands yeah. along with Mike Clayton and uh, created his own event, the Sandbound Invitational. So we're talking to Jeff in this show. Looking mm. forward to that. Hey, and Tiff, yeah, I, want to ask you, I want to ask you. I know you played a little bit of golf this week. You've been lucky to go to Peninsula Kingswood to have a hit. It's one of the oh, best golf oh, courses good. in the country. I think last time I was rated as a top five golf course in the country. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, but the view I know of the city yesterday, yesterday on the 8th. Just incredible. Superb. Oh. Isn't it incredible? Yep. Um, but I know that you and your friends, you want to get in the golf and you want to – I mean, how, how has your travel been to try and get kick-started again in the game of golf? Oh, look, it's – you know, it's – it's obviously, you've got to be self-motivated. I've got a, a young daughter. So it, it's hard when you're, when you're a parent – um, you know, she's now back in school, but the last two years, it's pretty much, I've, I've played a, a few rounds of golf in, in and out of uh, the lockdowns. I'm um, going to the driving range, which I love. I'm, I'm close to the Albert Park driving range. But, you know, for, for myself, but for, for so many of my friends um, and colleagues, women, it's just, it's really intimidating. Mm. Uh, they don't know where to start. They don't know what the rules are, the etiquette, yep. what to wear. They don't have the gear. It's expensive, all that kind of stuff. So I was really um 
really, really fascinated and and actually blown away by a woman I was introduced to only a couple of months ago. Her name's Jess Egan, Australian businesswoman. So she picked up the game last year in between COVID lockdowns. Mm. Uh, she's from Melbourne and she started the Australian Women's Golf Network, just a group of, uh, and made it really easy, like just really, you Ooh. know, come in, this is really easy and it's fun. And so I had a chat with her a couple of weeks, uh, what was it, about mm. probably about two months ago and six weeks ago, actually, my apology, and they had 600 members. Now, I went to the first event yesterday um, that, I, that I went to. They've had a, a handful of them. And every event sells out in a day. She told me yesterday, I met her for the first time, great Gee, woman, 1,000 members. Now, they've gone from Gee, 600 to 1,000 in six weeks. That's phenomenal. That, that is a brilliant way to get people who are on the fringe of golf, who think that maybe you know they're curious about playing golf, getting yep. them into the game. And you said a really key word there, easy. Yeah. Now, I, I can tell you about how I got in. When I was a 10-year-old, I wanted to be a footballer. You know, that, 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 that was my dream. My dad and my mother were golfers, and it was easy for me to get into the game. But one of the things they did, well, I didn't have a full set. I just had a little carry bag yep. with four clubs. I played in my footy shorts. Um, and we played this thing called easy golf to where if I hit the ball into the into the trees, I threw it out. Yeah, absolutely. If I hit Kick the ball into a bunker, I, I just put it next to the bunker and, and chipped it on. And I want people who are listening who are thinking about getting their kids in the game, thinking about getting their wife or their husband into the game, I want them to have this in the back of their mind because I think what scares people away from absolutely. the game are the rules. Yep. Um, and and then the difficulty. Well, you know, do you know put- what? Yesterday, Marco, they allowed every. There was and the, so there was twenty four ladies there. I reckon at least eight had never played ever. Yep. Yep. They allowed these women to tee up on the fairway. Yeah, that's tee up on the and you know and if it went into the bunker, you have a couple of shots, just pick it up and out you go. We played Ambrose anyway, but it was outstanding. Now this this is something. I'll, I'm, now no wonder they got a thousand members. It's as simple as that. You know, you, you can't go from never playing the game ever, and you're 35, 40 years old. You can't go from that to being competent at a private course where everyone's expected to play in four hours. You, yeah. you, you just cannot be. So the idea of making it right in people's heads, that you don't have to count every shot, that you do not have to hit it out of every bunker, that you don't have to chip it out when it's under a tree, just get out and enjoy the game. And the thing that you played, I imagine you played a team game, which, yep. is, which is fantastic. You played, so you, 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 you played a team game, so it's not as apparent. You don't have to finish every single hole. Yep. This is the key. This is the absolute key to get people enjoying the game. It's the reason that I fell in love with the game yep, because well, it was yeah. just so – Dad, mum and dad made it easy. And I was teeing it up on the fairways as well. And it makes the game easy. It makes the game enjoyable. And then because you enjoy it, because it's easy – you naturally get better well, what because your did, enthusiasm yeah. gets you to the next level. Absolutely. So they had uh, they they started off had two groups of twelve. The driving range, I split them up, and the other one was on the the putting green, which was fabulous. And they had two lady pros who were who were taking us through. Then we had lunch, and I think I don't know if she's a club captain, but a lady by the name of Stella, um, you know, talked us through. She's on the board and spoke about the amalgam amalgamation, obviously, of Peninsula and Kingswood coming together to form mm. PK. And um, and then they talked about a couple of uh, of the rules, you know, just 
pick it up or whatever it might have been and you know, a little bit of the etiquette just again to get allow these ladies just to take it in in a nice you know, relaxed yeah. atmosphere and then out we went and played nine holes and it was absolutely brilliant. Isn't, so, that, isn't that good? Good Look, yeah. golf's not for everybody um, and it's silly to think that is the case. Golf isn't for everybody. It's a hard, It can be a really difficult game but for the people who possibly could be like yourself and others, we've got to make it as easy as possible. Absolutely. Get on the golf courses and become golfers, not just driving range people. You've got to be you've got to become a golfer. And I'll tell you what, Marco, you made it really easy because you gave I was a lucky recipient of a lesson of yours as part of Marco's masterclass. We'll hear about that a little bit later in the show. But if you've got uh, some feedback or suggestions as to who you would like to hear from as a guest, email us at media at golf.org.au or follow us on Twitter. It's at Ost Golf Show and leave us a message. So, fair, a fair cherry pick this week, by the way, Tiff. Fair, fair cherry pick. You, uh, you know a, what? A good one. You got a good one. We've said his name a few times. So stick around and hear from Jeff o- Jeff Ogilvy, if I can say his name right. Yeah. Right after this. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry, and it's an absolute pleasure to have US Open champion and eight-time PGA Tour winner Jeff Ogilvy join us on the show. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, alongside tournament director and golf course architect Mike Clayton, uh, you've created a new professional golf tournament in Melbourne with a unique format that's set to be held over four world-class golf courses. We've heard a little bit about it, but um, take us inside to, inside your mindset when you were sat down with Clayton about creating this uh, this event. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes back quite a long way. I mean, it's often been talked that we don't utilize the sand belt enough in our tournament sort of schedule. We used to when I was a kid a lot. I mean, I feel like Royal Melbourne had a tournament every year when, in the 80s. Um, but anyway, as the COVID and the pandemic went along and the lockdowns and all the tournaments were getting cancelled, we sort of thought, well, could we do something? I mean, the last couple of years I went since I got back from the US, we've been trying to, we've, it's kind of been branded the game, but I've just been trying to get me and a bunch of pros and all the young kids and amateurs to sort of get together and play a bit of golf. Um, I felt like the sort of development or the junior guys, they just weren't playing enough golf. Sort of the Ivo Witten's not kind of what it was before. And they seem to be practicing for three months, playing a tournament, practicing for three months, playing a tournament without enough sort of competitive golf. And I thought really they're incredible swingers and technicians and they know everything about golf except for actually playing it, you know? So I just thought maybe, we just got to play a bit more. So mm. anyway, we started calling around a few clubs and say, hey, look, can we have a few tee times? And and that went really well. That's been going really well the last two years, albeit with the lockdowns and restricted access. And we thought, well, could we do a bigger one of those? Could we do a four-rounder? Could we use these sandbelt courses? Could we put it near Christmas so we can sort of get everyone there? And um, can we have men, women, pros and amateurs all together in the same field and sort of highlight how good the sandbelt is and give everyone a chance to sort of put them in the middle and play. So we called a few clubs, Clates called, got on the phone and I got on the phone and um, it was pretty unanimously accepted by the the courses that we called. Um, and it started out just, as I said, just a little sort of casual hit with sort of 50 or 60 guys, 70 people maybe. Um, and it just grew. We get it. We got it onto channel 10 um, and people saw what we were doing and it just exploded. Everyone got interested and loved the concept and ideas. So it's sort of grown from there. Jeffrey, congratulations on getting the kids playing golf um, right through COVID. Uh, I've been witness to it. it. That has been a magnificent thing. And and by the way, you're spot on. It's um, we got to, there are so many good players in Australia, but we've got to get these kids to be 
wonderful tournament players. And there is a very, very big difference. But to me, when I hear the Sandbell Classic, you know, and, and for whatever reason, the last 10, year, 10, 12 years, when you listen to the coverage um, on the TV that we get down here, the Sandbelt is getting more and more mentions as we go. I reckon it's becoming a destination. We know mm. Tasmania already is. Um, when this tournament, and I say when uh, very hopefully, when this tournament gets to a bigger stage, it would to me it would be the biggest, easiest sell to Tourism Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, of all time. That must be in your back, you know, playing in the back of your mind that this goes from what you've putting on this December to something enormous down the track. Look, I certainly think the sky is the limit, absolutely. Um, sort of in the spirit of build it and they will come, you know, sort of. And I think, I mean, it goes back a long way, but sort of, I mean, when you and I were playing the Australian Tour, remember that tour in the 90s? It was crazy. The 80s and the 90s, there was 12, 13 tournaments, all decent money. There was a, there was a real sense of season to it. Um, the first few tournaments might slip by the wayside, but, but people realise that there's golf on every weekend and they start watching. And by sort of February and the Masters, it was a massive mm. deal, right? And we've kind of lost that there. And I think some of the issues is we chased, I think the media is a little bit to blame by always pointing at we don't have a field, we don't mm. have the money. Sorry, guys, we can't have golf because we just got beaten by America. Oh, well, we'll take our bat and ball and go home, you know? And I just don't think that's actually fair. Um, also, it got very complicated with the management companies and GA and the PGA. We had sort of too many conflicting interests, I think, in golf. And it sort of just gradually sort of eroded away the, not to use a business word, the product to sort of, made golf not really the easiest sell for corporates and the public sort of, they read in the newspaper that, oh, we can't get the good players, so why bother going, you know? Um, and I think so in that spirit, let's, this is in the spirit of let's start again. Let's create a quality tournament on quality golf courses. And golf courses are our, um, that's our asset. I mean, we're never going to be able to compete money-wise with the US. Um, we're, we're probably rarely going to get top 50 players in the world. We'll get a few. But that, I mean, these guys, I mean, Cam Smith is now one of the best players in the world. He, he, we've got some of them in Australia right now, you know, and they'll be there in a couple of years' time. They just have to have that opportunity in the springboard. And I think the Australian public loves golf too. So um, with that, there's no grand plans. We just build it and they'll come. Nice quality tournament on good, good golf courses. Give everyone a good experience, both players and spectators and the clubs and get everyone to buy in. And I think hopefully, as you say, I think we can build this into something pretty cool. All right. Next question. Uh, I am shooting for the stars with this next one. Now uh, I saw a slide come up on the telly. I don't know about eight years ago, and I think you were second behind Tiger Woods for winning uh, WGC events. Uh, that might've changed by now. How many did you win? Two or three? Three. Three. So yeah, you, you, you would just pass me now. I think. Oh, bugger. He's no good. <laughs> don't worry about it. Anyway, um, you're the person to ask if if this is a very successful start uh, and it starts to develop like a snowball is a sandbelt classic something that the world's best would come down to if it got wgc now i i am shooting for the absolute stars here but would that tempt players to come down uh, and play Royal, Vic, Peninsula, Kingswood, Kingston Heath, and, you know, all back on, you know, how, however you decide to do it, 
Is that any possibility? I think so. Um, I mean, take WGC out of it. I don't think, I mean, that would help if it, if it, WGC would meant it would count on the US money list and I think that would really help. But outside of that, um, it's, it's a pretty big carrot. As you said, the sand belt over the last, when I got to America, the sand belt was this thing that only the tragic Sioux Red Golf Club Atlas knew about, you know. But now it's, it seems to come up on the golf coverage every week. You hear it all the time. It's got almost this mythical status about it, this sand belt, this sand belt. Because Tiger comes back from the President's Cup and tells everyone it's his favourite course. Um, everybody just speaks so glowingly that everybody just needs a little bit of an excuse to come down here, I think, and they'll come. Um, you're never going to get everybody. Golf, touring golf is really tough. And if you play in America, you've played 30 of the last 40 weeks and to ask someone to go 24 hours on a plane, is a, is a big ask. But if you put it on, uh, put a nice tournament on the schedule, I think maybe um, you get the great courses, you get the money up gradually, you, you, you look after them when they get here. You show them Australia as well as giving them a chance to play these courses. I think you've got every chance to get players way under what they would ask anywhere else. You know, you'll get players. We've had players sort of emailing us and texting us, not sort of top 10, top 20 players, but players interested in the idea and saying, hey, look down the road, would you be keen if we came to play? And I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think we've, that's our value. That our appearance money is Royal Melbourne and Kingston Heath and Metro and B. You know, that's our appearance money. And Australia, who doesn't want to come to Australia? It's their winter. I mean, you can show them the reef and Ayers Rock and sit in the Opera House and take them to Tassie. I mean, there's so much to offer here. They all kind of want to come. We just have to give them a little bit of an excuse. Jeff, you've in your experiences in the US, and you talk about the sense of season, you know, season occasion uh, for the theatre goers. So those who you know don't necessarily follow golf all the time, and it's not necessarily then the big name players, but for those fans, you want to really engage them. How how will you do that with with this event? Um, well, this event will be relative. It's free. It's free entry. Um, relatively. Low crowds expected. I would think it's leading up to Christmas and it's tough and we've just dropped this on everybody and there'll be a lot of travelling and stuff this year, I imagine, because everyone's been stuck at home. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we just, we've just we got to think differently. We'll be walking on the fairways, which I think yeah. is really good to a certain level of people. It's great. It's great at the Victorian Open. Um, no, ropes, no ropes are enormous, I think, for coming and watching players play. Watching golf from behind the player it's so much better than watching it from the side. It's incredible. I mean, it's like going to the cricket and trying to watch from square leg. It just doesn't work, you know. Exactly. You go down the pitch and it's fantastic. Golf is so much better from behind the play. You can hear the conversation. You kind of hear the contact better. You watch the ball flight. And anybody who's ever played golf, if they're not entertained by any of these guys hitting shots up close, you're hard to impress, I think. Um, and just to see the – I think – Bringing the getting the women involved is clearly mm. um, it has to happen it, everywhere they've done it around the world. The Vic Open, I think, was kind of first. Yeah. Um, it, it just it succeeds. There's it, it, just so much more to see, and I think to be honest, at the Vic Open, I feel like the the fans that come in are more almost more impressed with the women golfers. Their dedication, how hard they grind, and how good they hit the ball is just. So even the guys watch in awe at some of these. I mean, Minji Lee doesn't miss a shot, you know. I mean, that's something to see. I think just look after the fan a little bit more, give everyone an experience. I mean, I think the benchmark golf tournament in the world is the Masters. By so far, it's not even funny. And 
their sort of ethos is everybody inside the gate has a good time. We want every, we want the janitor. We want the spectators. We want the press. We want the players. We want the caddies. We want the members. We want every single person to enjoy this tournament. And I don't think we've always had that um, attitude in Australia. Look, to be honest, I don't think many golf tournaments do, but I think if we can start focusing on everyone who comes inside the gate and everyone who gets to watch it on TV has a really good time. I think there's a lot of smart people and, a lot of creative people around. We can create something really cool and just create a great event. I mean, we just had the race, the, the spring racing carnival. No one really goes to the Melbourne Cup because of what horses are running. <laughs> they go to the Melbourne Cup because it's, it's a great event. Yeah, that's um, true. We need to turn golf yeah. into that, like the Australian Open Golf and the Sam Bell Invitational and the Victorian Open. These are great events to go to and enjoy. And, oh, by the way, there's golf as well. Mm. Um, I think that's the way. I think we've focused a little too much on the pure golf and uh as i said sort of told everybody "Eh, we've tried to get good players but we can't get them so eh, come if you want but you know i think we can sort of sell it a little bit better and provide a better product when they get there i think golf people love golf i mean evidence but when the president's cup comes here or we have big tournaments i mean it just goes crazy Mm. melbourne goes nuts yeah um and if the, the scale and the budget of the President's Cup is a little bigger than we could achieve on a regular basis, but it proves that there's appetite. Um, and that if, when there's a market, we've just we've got to slot into the place in the market and just provide a good product and people will come. So so exciting. You talk about the women and the men playing and you've got obviously the pros and the amateurs. I mean, Marco might get a, might get a, a Guernsey, but uh, yeah, myself as, a, as an amateur or just as a hack, but how do the amateurs get a go? How, do, how will they get an opportunity to play? Well, this year it's elite. So it's this is all the wannabe pros, um, the tries people who are trying to be elite. So we will, we're getting the best men pros and women. We've invited everybody from Adam Scott down, yep, or Mark Leesman, Cam Smith, whoever our number one is at the moment. Um, we've invited all of them down. Same with Hannah and Sue and Minji, all the way down. We 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 think the the women's pro field will be a little shorter than normal this year. Um, because of the travel restrictions and all that sort of stuff. And there's just generally more guys in Australia pros at the moment than there are girls. They're sort of stuck on the LPGA a little bit with travel restrictions. Mm. Um, and the kids um, will be, each club gets four, their four best. Into the, that's host. The four, each of the four clubs. That's the, four that they, the four that they select. So I assume they'll pick their best players, their best pennant players, their up-and-comers. Um, boys, and, uh, male and Boys and girls. Boys yep, and girls, yeah. And GA is going to pick a bunch who they think deserve it. Um, and they're also, the for the kids, or kids, I guess we can all say kids because they're a lot younger than us. <laughs> I mean, they're, some of these 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Um, the winner's are going to get a start into the um, the Rosebud Tournament TPS, fantastic, and mm. the Austra- and the Australian PGA for the men, oh, fantastic. Well, Queensland, January, and and for the girls, um, the TPS at Rosebud and the Vic Open. So it, it, we're trying to kind of emulate that sort of feel of golf. Mm-hmm. You earn your stripes and you earn your way. And you don't. Your job interview is a tournament, and if you show us you can play, then you, you're going to get a stepping stone and go somewhere else where you can keep going. Well, Lucas Herbert uh, has put his finger up and said he's going to play. Uh, you've got Nick Feldo tweeting about it 
Uh, it, it is a monster performance, what you and Kate's and everybody involved, the clubs, have done. Congratulations. Can, can I move on? Mm-hmm. There's something just in the background here that we need to talk about, and that is your design company, Ogilvy, Cocking and Mead. Um, there were a couple of courses, you know, when I was growing up, what was Shady Oaks and, you know, the, the picture in my mind of Ben Hogan practising next to this tree. Um, and then Medina was always seemed to be, you know, if it wasn't holding a PGA, it was a, an open perhaps in the back of my mind or an amateur or something I can remember in the background. Two legendary golf courses. You have been thrown the keys at both. Your 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 design company, you know, the kid from, you know, who used to play at Cheltenham Golf Club growing up, ended up at Vic, um, has now got his hands on these two legendary golf courses. Are you pinching yourself or are you just that enthusiastic you can make something special out of both of them? I know you've already done Shady, um, but Medina, God, you know, hair on the back of the neck stuff. Yeah, it's pretty amazing um, when you think about it, when you put it into terms like you did. Um, you know what? I think we're very fortunate. Um, I mean, firstly, I love architecture. I've always loved the courses. I mean, I went to Scotland when I was 16. I tagged along. Dad was going to go see his mum when she was getting older. He hadn't seen her for a few years, and he took me around, and we played some Lynx golf. We went to Birkdale and St Andrews and St George's and a whole bunch of stuff, and I just fell in love with the whole thing and was reading books about all the Bobby Jones books and everything. Everyone always talked about the old course, the old course, the old course. And when I first went to the old course, um, unlike most people, I just, I'd loved it before I got there. You know, most people play the old course the first time and they hate it and they're like, and then they play it 10 times and they realize the genius and they get it. Um, I just, I wanted to love it. Um, and just saw after reading some books and talking to people like Mike Clayton, really sort of talented great guys with great understanding of, the whole nuance of the game, I just sort of fell in love with everything and I just realised how much better golf is on a great golf course. It's just so much better and there's so much more depth, I guess. Um, and I just sort of, it just grew from there. And as I was sort of playing and sort of sort of thinking about after, after playing, what would I do? I sort of got associated obviously with Clates, but now then with uh, Michael Cocky and Ashley Mead. I mean, Michael and Ashley are so gifted what they do it's unbelievable i mean they live and breathe golf course construction and architecture and they they really are in the very very cream of the cream of the cream you know they're right up there and i'm very fortunate to be with them and i think they might be fortunate to be with me because i can get them into doors that they might not get into and it all really works really well um so the opportunity to shady come up i think pk was very we've done a lot of stuff in australia but pk was very visible around the world because of the eye candy nature of it. I mean, Tiffany played there yesterday. Yeah, so it's she knows magnificent. How attractive a place it is. And it's yeah. just, you see a picture of that. It's like, I want to go play there, you know? And I think that really has looked great on our CV. Shady um, were looking around and I think that actually sort of in principle appointed sort of one of the local normal Texas guy who would do all the local stuff. And then someone, Bill Core actually, bumped into the director of golf, who's a great story anyway, the director of golf. I'll talk about him in a second. But um, he said, oh, maybe you should look at Jeff and Michael and Ashley. They're, um, they're pretty good and it might be a bit of a point of difference and blah, blah, blah. So we went. Um, I guess we impressed and they said, yeah, as you said, they gave us the keys. We did the short course. And, and Shady's amazing. It's got this sort of 10, 12 acres. I'm not sure if you ever went there, Marco, but yeah, there's 
10 or 12 acres in the middle that's kind of this, it was a sort of an unorganized par three course, but it was this place where Hogan used to hit his own balls. And he always used to hit it under this tree next to the 18th tee. Um, and it's the most, it's not surprising, but it's the best place I've ever seen to hit balls. It's sort of down and then up. You see every ball land. It's always blowing right to left, which is what we want. Um, just a fantastic place to hit balls and just the whole thing. So our plan was let's do the short course. They thought we, they didn't, they thought the short course was an afterthought, just 10 acres of grass. Um, we thought, well, let's do the short course. You can see how we work. You can kind of, we can trial a few, we trialed a few different grasses on greens and build a few bunkers and we trained up, trained up the staff because the ground staff did a lot of the construction work there to save a bit of money and not bring a big construction company in. And um, it was just fantastic. We did the short course and they were just blown away. They hadn't seen anything like it. Um, <laughs> it was really, really fun because they thought it was just enough. Thought it was fantastic. And they said, they just said, go. Yeah. And basically shut the doors and we went from one side of the course to the other over about a year. And um, thankfully, we basically got it done just before we weren't allowed to leave. Michael's... Michael, when he came back from his last trip, uh, had to go into quarantine for the first time. It was like March last year or something. Um, so we just got that done. And it's nice. It was rave reviews and they love it. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to be, go back to see it because mm. we haven't been able to get there. But um, yeah, that, that went great. And all that, the Hogan stuff there, they've got a room there. Hogan spent basically the last 30 or 40 years of his life there. Mm. And um, they've got a room with all these clubs. And his thousands and thousands of clubs of all these really flat, heavy offset. I mean, were, onset. Were, were you allowed to have a hit of them? Yeah. Were, you, were yeah. you allowed to take a couple out and have a go? What were they like? Yeah. Uh, unhittable. Unhittable. <laughs> Why were they unhittable? Really heavy, yeah. really flat, like five, six degrees flat. And all you can hit them, but they just go right. It's, <laughs> what it's were your clubs? Hook club. What were your what, what what did you play with? Two up or one up or what were you? I started about two up and I've ended up about one flat actually, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, drifted that way because I just think that it helps my action. But anyway, they were, they're really no roll, no roll or bulge on the face, just flat face. So if you hit it, it just wanted to cut. It was all cut. Um, fantastic. I mean, I could hit some reasonable shots, but everything was going left to right. Um, <laughs> but what if just to look at it all, like just it's you get nervous just touching stuff of Hogan's, you know, yeah. and his locker, his locker, they've preserved his locker. Um, the day he died, they left it and they put a glass front on it. So everyone who comes to visit there gets to see what Mr. Hogan, which they call him Mr. Hogan had in his um, locker with the extra spike in his shoes and they're like liniments and like wraps. And so it was fantastic. It sounds, it sounds like Enzo Ferrara went and saw his, uh, his little office in Maranello many, many years ago in Italy. Just before we say goodbye, Jeff, uh, yeah, obviously, this is your your next phase of your career, designing courses. But is there still that desire? You know, Jack Nicholas won the uh, the Masters in back in '86, I think, at age 46. Is there still that little desire for you to, you know, get out there and and win another big one? I know, of course, you're playing in the Australian PGA in January, but beyond that, yeah, um, yes, the desire is still there. Um, we'll see. I mean, priorities change. I mean, I'm loving being back at home. Um, I love three kids. I loved, I loved America. I loved the whole time about it, but I really missed here. I wanted my kids to have the experience at school in Australia and sort of grow up a little bit like I did. If they go back when they're 18 and 19, that's cool too. Right. Great. Um, but I wanted to be here. So I'm enjoying this. Um, I've played less golf in the last two years than I've ever played mostly forced, you know, cause mm -hmm. we couldn't really play much this year. Um, Dude, you're still swinging at, well. 
what I've seen on the TV. Looks great. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, you snuck out the back at the, the back gate. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There was a bit of PR. I've got a net and I've hit a few balls and I, I've been practicing a little bit. Um, look, I'm pretty keen. I'd love to go. I mean, I feel like potentially I could have my cake and eat it too. Um, play a bunch of tournaments and still get to be home quite a lot and do all the, the architecture. Mm. And um, we'll look, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I'd, I'd love it. The opportunity to go do some, I think to win majors and stuff, I think you probably have to be pretty full time at it. Um, and I'd love to do that. We'll see. Well, we'll just let's have a good day today and we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> mate, if Stevie Elka's winning tournaments out in that Champions Tour, I reckon uh, you've got the same body as him, mate. Strong, wiry, you'd be all set if you ever got to that level. Uh, it's fantastic to see. I lived with Steve Elka for the first year I played in Europe in um, London, in England and um, he has worked, no one's worked harder and been more diligent and been a better harder worker than him, so fair play, well done to him. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you at the Sandbelt Invitational in December, the 20, 20th to the 23rd. Congratulations on that with, uh, with Mike Clayton. And again, thanks for joining us on the Australian Golf Show. All the Good best, luck Jeff. with Medina as well. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Fun. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Coming up after the break, uh, we'll have uh, Martin Blake, the gazelle, with all the latest news around the traps. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. And we're joined now by Golf Australia Media Manager Martin Blake with all the news from around the traps, including, Martin, some top 10 finishes on the European Tour by our women and men. Yeah, it was a kind of a quiet week, I've got to say, Tiff. But, uh, you know, a couple of good finishes there. With Minwoo Lee was probably the standout there, finishing tied eighth in Portugal. Uh, he is, uh, he's got a really big few weeks coming up now Minwoo Lee from Perth he's at 54 in the world mm. uh, Marco I mentioned this I think last week or the week before and he's got the the DB world championship coming up in a couple of weeks time I mean if he can get in the top 50 in the world it gets him in the majors and the world golf championships he's only 23 years old he's he's one of the most talented players we've seen come from this country from a long for a long time mm. uh, Whitney Hillier finished fifth on the let behind L- Lydia Ko and Steph Kiriakou was in the top 10. how good was well. Lydia Ko by the way uh, she is yeah, she's one of the only people I've ever seen in this world probably thinks golf's easy she she's she, she's she's in that I reckon there's not many people in this on this planet ever who probably thought golf was easy she, but I reckon she does. Yeah, she's winning pro tournaments at 14, winning big yeah. pro tournaments at 16. It's an easy game for her. It's as simple and as that. Where's she ranked in the world now? Is she she was number one, wasn't she? she oh, for yeah. a long time, oh, yeah. 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 Look, she's – the interesting thing with her is she had that big lull of a couple of years. You know, yeah, you know she, why? She went, to, she went to David Ledbetter. David Ledbetter turned her swing – turned that swing inside out and then – Well, she, she had she, the shaft pointing straight straight up. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> she had one of the greatest golf swings in the history of the women's game, probably the whole game. And David Ledbetter took one look and threw something on her that <laughs> I, I still shake my head. It was just, I mean, she, David Ledbetter Welcome, David, had a, if you're listening. Uh, g'day, Dave. Um, David Ledbetter had a going back almost Jim Furyk style. Think about that just for a second. Yeah. David Ledbetter had Lydia Coe, one of the greatest golfers we've ever seen taking the club back like Jim Furyk. Well, she's found her swing again, obviously, and she's... Oh, she's back, well and truly. Yeah. Now, what did you make of the WPGA announcement yesterday? WPGA Championship at Royal Queensland 
in January, 24 players, the best women in Australia, headed by Hannah Green, who's committed. So that event will run, it's new, and it will run alongside the Australian PGA. Well, they're playing for the Kari Webb Cup, is that correct? Or the Kari Webb Cup. So we're honouring honoring our greatest winner of majors ever. Kari Webb won seven majors. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I thought it was pretty exciting, pretty, a great idea, great concept. It's, again, a bit like the Jeff Ogilvy tournament. It's starting mm-hmm. small. It's 24 players. Uh, it'll only grow. Uh, I think it's a, a terrific thing. What did yeah. you think? It got, got quite oh. good coverage. People forget how good Curry Webb was. Uh, there was a period in time there when, when Tiger Woods was, I don't know, 19 points ahead of number two, which was Phil Mickelson at the time. Curry Webb was in a similar place mm-hmm. in the women's game. Um, and there was all this talk, uh, I'm sure you guys remember, of a um, like a grudge match almost, Tiger versus Curry. That's, that's how big Curry was. Uh, she was winning every second or third major that she played in. She's what, what she ended up with, 14 or like seven? She or won like, seven. Seven. It's just, just something, you know, incredible in the world She was, world she was winning golf. majors by eight and ten shots, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think people um, have forgotten. And then that's a sad way. It'll never happen on this program. We, we, we will make people remember how good Curry Webb was. And I think when, um, you know, you got that elite field of 24 turn up in Queensland, uh, I think the correct amount of homage will be paid to Curry. And I think someone like Curry, uh, if she can make that tournament her own, uh, it'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Tiff, she's des- mm-hmm. designing the trophy herself or, or assisting at the very least with yep. designing the trophy. And she had a good comment yesterday. She said uh, one of the journos asked her what she was going to do with the trophy, what sort of trophy. She said, well, it needs to be big enough to hold a bottle of wine. Of course. Yeah, good on her. Absolutely. <laughs> Asia-Pacific Amateur, uh, guys, the, the men's event has been completed with Kita Nakajima from Japan, who's very familiar to Everyone on the amateur circuit here in Australia winning. He's the number one amateur in the world. He won the Australian amateur a couple of years ago. He's he's a pro in in waiting. Andre Lotti from Kingston Heath was the leading Australian in a tie for seventh. Connor McKinney, who's from Perth, who's actually Scottish born, he led or he was up close yeah, in the tournament through two rounds, faded away, finished tied eighteenth. But we haven't finished with that because the women starts this week uh, mm. as as we. Uh, speak on this podcast. Madison Hinson Tolshard from Perth is the the one I'm going to watch for. She's playing at college in the US. She was a big smash hit when she went to college this year and uh, she's a former Australian junior. Kelsey Bennett from New South Wales. She's the New South Wales amateur champion. She's playing. Cassie Porter from Queensland who won the Capera Bowl. She's playing as well. So good luck to the young women who are playing in Abu Dhabi this week. Those last two names you mentioned, uh, I, I like watching them play. I've seen them both. They've both got a little bit of X factor. Um, and the sooner we can find them a home in the world of golf, you know, a, a tour in the Northern Hemisphere where they are full members, you watch those two get going. I've got all the confidence in the world on, on those two players. Hey, and um, Martin, how did Lucas Herbert go on the back of his win? Uh, missed cut. Uh, we, said, <laughs> we, we put the anchor on him straight away, didn't we? Oh, but he's only young, though. He's, he's, just, he's obviously just got to improve I, his fitness and his... <laughs> Get himself ready again. I think well, he had an early quadruple bogey, uh, which didn't. Have, did you see the golf course at all? With it was just absolute thick bushland either side of the fairways, and um, I'm not sure whether that was the problem or not. But uh, just running my eye over the golf course, it was the easiest place to make a quadruple bogey I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Marco, uh, we'll I think uh, Mike Clayton's um, 
comment on this is that you're better off to not be consistent in golf. Everyone in sport always yeah. wants to be consistent in no, golf. No. You're better off to win one week and then miss the cut. That is exactly right. That is, you're, that is if you're in contention, win. Yeah, that is exactly right. Then Don't, miss the cut and have a break the next weekend. If you if you make the cut and you are in the last three or four, five, six groups, you have no excuse going at the centre of the green. You're an idiot. I mean, you've just actually got to roll the I dice, win. try and make seven or eight birdies around and win somehow because if you don't, you've got 30 other blokes in contention who will do that uh, and beat you. So you know, if you want to win tournaments, you've got to do it. Remember when Phil Mickelson hit his shot through the trees on the 13th at Augusta to win yes. the Masters? I'm going yes. to say might have been 2010. Jim Bones Mackay, his caddy, said afterwards they were, they were asking him why why he hit that shot, why he took it on six iron through the you know thread the needle onto yeah. the green, and he said that Phil's theory was that um, every person who wins a professional golf tournament hits a special shot at some mm-hmm. point of the final round. Yeah. So. That was that his was moment, his. Yeah. and he did it. Yeah. Hey, X uh, he, he missed the putt, though. He, he, did, he, did he only made a birdie. Yeah, he only made the birdie. It's he, like he, the spectacular mark, and you miss the goal. Hey, uh, speaking of X Factor, Louis Dobler, who's the reigning Australian amateur men's champion out of Queensland, actually plays out of Brookwater. Hmm. Uh, he's turning pro today. He's 20 years of age. He's going to go to the PGA Latino Tour School to Ooh, try and get on that. On that tour, a couple of stories about Louis. He won the Brookwater Club Championship, uh, I think it was earlier this year or maybe last year, at the same time that one Ash Barty won the Women's Ooh. Brookwater Club Championship. Amazing. The club put a social media post out to say, here's our club champions. And, of course, it went viral because there's Ash Barty with the golf, you know, yeah. the Brookwater Club Championship. And it got to the point where no one knew who Louis was, of course, around <laughs> the it- world. So <laughs> Louis put a, 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 a tweet out or a, a Instagram post saying, funny. what about me? That's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah. uh, what have we got to look forward to over the coming week? Uh, the the uh, as I mentioned, Min Woo Lee is in yep. Europe uh, again. The the US tour is winding down. We'll see whether Lucas goes around again. I just wanted to mention the last thing was the Australian Golf Strategy Roadshows are on at the moment. Uh, they started this week. There's regional ones. There's uh, metro ones. This is to do with the Australian Golf Strategy that the whole industry is putting together. It's going to come out next month. And we've got uh, people from the PGA, WPGA and Golf Australia presenting at these roadshows, which are open to everyone in golf. And if you go to, if you, actually, if you Google Australian Golf Strategy Roadshow, you'll see it come up and you can register and go on and have a listen to where the game is going there. Uh, I think the Metro ones are on 11 and 18 November at 7 p.m., 16 November for the regional ones. So uh, if you want to hear about, where the game's going and have you even have your say about it, uh, yeah. just jump onto those. Yeah, great. Well, thanks, Martin. We're now up to date. All right, Tiff. With all the news, thanks to the Gazelle. We'll hear, check in with you again mm. next week. Yes. No, you go. You go. I, was, I was just going to say one of the highlights just for me uh, um, in, um, in America uh, where Hovland won, the Mexican um, who came second was last. Ortiz after about seven holes, three over par and last in the field. Oh, wow. And in Mexico, in his home place, fought all the way back to come second. I, 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 I know there were some big efforts, but I, I just wanted to put that one in as well. That That is an amazing Great performance comeback. to do that. Beautiful. All right. Well, we can hear from you again uh, very shortly, Marco, because we've got Marco's Masterclass coming up. All, it's all about you. Oh, I'm super excited about, about this one. All right. That's right after this. 
Hey, Marco, a big thank you to you. I was the uh, very fortunate recipient of your Marco's Masterclass this week. And I tell you what, <laughs> guess what? Guess what? It, it, it worked. How'd you go? Oh, it good. worked. I was good, hitting good. them straighter and further, and you did one thing, changed well, my grip on the club shaft. Yeah, I, I got you the grip down, but one of the, one of the things I was really wrapped about um, uh, with our little lesson is just asking you know, how a golf ball gets in the air. Uh, and if you're trying to teach somebody the game, whether it's your kids or someone who's, you know, little 35, 40 and never played the game, this is the most important question. You must ask that person how a golf ball gets in the air because so many people think you actually lean back like it's a cricket ball and hit it in the air. You actually help it in the air. Golf, that is not the case. Now, every single lesson I've given to people, whether they're kids or adults, that's the first question I ask. How does the golf ball get in the air? And quite often they say, oh, you get under it or you just hit the ball in the air. And you can see when they're making the motions, they're on their back foot, and, you know, yep. all the things that you don't want to do because that's how they think a golf ball gets in the air. As soon as you explain to them that there is loft on the golf club and the golf ball bounces off that loft and goes up in the air, the game changes for them right there because in their mind, they've got to hit it up and straight. Mm to where if you actually just get the hang of the idea that the ball bounces off the club and goes in the air, all you have to do is hit the ball straight. That's it? That's it. All you have to do is actually <laughs> make contact. That's as simple with, as that. If you make contact with the club and you hit it with the middle of the ball, then you don't have to hit it in the air anymore. And, and that's when you flush it. And that, that that pure hit that just keeps drawing you back, that's very rare for me, but when you that get it. That is right. That is right. So the masterclass today, if you're teaching somebody new in this game how to play, the golf club, gets the ball in the air, the loft. The ball bounces off the loft, and you watch what happens. There'll, there'll be no more back foots. There'll be no, not many more tops early because all they'll be trying to do is swing at a ball that's on the ground yep. and make contact with the ball. They're not trying to hit it in the air as well. So I'll tell you what worked for me. So you said, did you, you must have played a bit of tennis. I played a little bit of tennis, but I was holding the club too far up yeah. the, the club shaft. Yep. So you brought my hands down and then the club was actually able. So, you know, so many people say ground your club, but I was grounding my club, but it was on an angle. And yeah, so as toe, I came the through, was the toe was up. Yeah. yeah. yeah so then right. that's when it was going left or right occasionally. Yeah. So just yep. those little things. Yeah, yep. so for, for people, especially kids, when the clubs are too big for them, you know, get them to grip all the way down so the, the sole of the club is basically on the ground. That, that's your starting point. But, again, you don't hit the ball up in this game unless it's on a really high tee. That's the only time you do it. If the ball sits on the ground, your job in life is not to hit the ball up. Your job is just to hit the ball. Yeah, follow through. Well, watch, it was superb. Watch the magic happen. So thanks for that. I'm excited. I'm going to the uh, driving range this afternoon. See you next week. All right. Thanks, Marco. We've got another big name joining us uh, next. Well, it could be uh, Kari Webb. Oh, former number one player in the world. Quite oh, possibly. So looking bad. forward Not to that. Not a bad get. Not a bad right. get. Catch See you, you next then. week. See ya.